There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs> Probably like getting grade 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether, you know, there's two types of turds, you're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean... <laughs> Um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. We are not in the conference room this week. We are in a much more cramped office, but it's good because then that means the sound quality is going to be a little bit better. And I got a guy across from me that doesn't really need an introduction. Jay Moore is here. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. I am glad that you're here because you have a new project that you're working on that's coming yeah. in Hill Varsity. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been fun. It's been a lot fun last uh, couple weeks. Yeah, got a podcast, more to it podcast. Um, you know, I kind of re- I reached out to to you guys and said, "Hey, I have an idea." And it kind of it came to me and it were <laughs> a lot of times a lot of good ideas come to me over a couple beers. Um, <laughs> Those are the best ideas. I know, right? I'm just like, gosh, cuz I ran into um, I tell people I ran into Zach Bowman up at a at a bar in Omaha one night, and I hadn't seen Zach in man, it's been a couple years, and just like it just gave you an appreciation, like oh my, I didn't even know he, like I knew he was in Omaha, but I just didn't know like where what he was doing, and it's just I don't want to say sad, but it's like this is, you know, I got guys who live in Lincoln who live in Omaha who I just don't keep in touch with, and that's just a part of you know you have kids and other jobs, and you just it just happens. Um, and I just said, you know what? I talking with them for 20, 30 minutes. I'm like, I'm going to do a podcast. I'm going to turn this into a podcast. I just want to get in touch with people. And whether I played with them or not, I'm at Nebraska. Um, I want to do it because I think people, the stories, the, the, all just the stuff you can get into, the fun things you can get into, um, just that you can do in a podcast. I think people would generally want to hear. So, um, pitched it to, to Hell Varsity. said, yeah, great. So it's been an awesome collaboration doing it so far. I can't wait for people to hear the content, um, hear the stories, hear the interviews, hear the fun stories, and hear the, you know, the the grind that, you know, we go through as ex-NFL athletes and mm-hmm. the business side of things that people might not realize. And just the stuff that, um, you know, you just, you don't, you, you see what happens on Sunday a lot or Saturdays, but what happens, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So it's it's been fun. It's been a lot. It's a blast, and I just I'm looking forward to the guests that I have lined up coming up. Um, I'm excited, you know, the people to hear the interviews that I've already you know have done. I think the most important question: Will this be conducted over beers at a bar? Is so, that what's happening? So ideally, yes. So, because um, that's when you can get your guests to I've, really so, open up. Yeah. So I have done one podcast. I did. So it is at the time of day has to do with it. So I'll. So when I did my first one with Doke, we in the offices here at Hell Varsity, he doesn't drink. So, and, you know, being in the office setting, I, you know, I didn't know. You don't always want to be the, last, the only guy drinking. So when I, Kenny and I did it, yes, that was over a couple beers. Okay. And that was a good one. Um, then I did the third, my third one with Bo. I had a beer. But Bo's kind of like, he's he has his routine, and it was a 
one thirty on a Tuesday, and he was still kind of working. I went to his house. I had a beer. I'm like, you have a beer? And I'm like, and he's, he's like, no, I can't have a beer. It's one thirty. I still got to get some work done. I'm like, that's BS. You can still operate, you know, after a couple of beers. Ideally, yes. Like, that's my told them. I, when I text people, they're like, ah, I don't have much to say. I go, you'll have more to say after you have a few beers. Yeah. You know, and that's, that'd be my plan because I think that's the best. That's, um, I want people to be relaxed and, you know, not feeling like I'm grilling them on a bunch of different topics, but having them over beers, that's, yeah. that's the way to do it. So I think the name suggests it, but. The, the more to it podcast are you talking football or are you talking life because when you text a guy and he says oh i don't really have much to say yes you do like yeah. you guys have very interesting yeah, stories no, I, about how to yeah. balance things what, yeah, like, I, what's the balance yeah so when you yeah, reach out to people and how many text messages and mess you know and twitter messages and stuff i send to people they're like what's the topic i go there is no topic i go we're just going to get on in in chit chat talk stories um just see where it goes i kind of can can get a good feel um, for how the, where they're going and what they're thinking and, you know, kind of piggyback off the topics that they've already brought up. Um, and it might just be straight-up Nebraska football talk. It might be their time spent in the NFL and their experiences and the great players they've been around and what makes this player great. Um, it could be more serious. It could be really fun and goofy and, you know, busting each other up, you know, making fun of each other for 30, 40 minutes, whatever it may be. It could be a lot of talk, talk about golf. I love golf. Like, um, a lot of my former players, a lot of former teammates love golf. We could spend some time talking. I, I think that's the beauty of it is there's no like, okay, we're going to talk about why Nebraska went five and seven last year. And that's not what I want to really, I mean, that's going to happen, you know, come in the fall doing some post game stuff, but, um, not now. I just think it's, I don't want to be more fun up, you know, not so, you know, A, B, C, D. It's just start talking. It's, it's supposed to be like a bar conversation, in my opinion. Like, you just met a guy or you saw you haven't seen a guy in two years. Let's catch yeah. up. Yeah. You know, I think that's – I think people will enjoy that. Okay, so give me a more to it, Jay Moore golf story. <laughs> you have a story locked and loaded? Well, we haven't uh, – Doke and I talked a little golf. I, I didn't get a chance to, to talk golf with Kenny because I know he enjoys golf, but I know he's re- rehabbing. Um you know, I didn't have Bo's does Bo kind of got me into golf really? um, a little bit. Yeah. Well, Bo and so I didn't start playing golf until I got into college. And this is Bo Rude. Bo Rude, not, yeah, bad, not, Bo, not Bo Pelini. Yeah. Sorry, Bo Rude. Bad dude, Bo Rude, as I call him. Um, yeah, I didn't play golf until I got into to college. And um, me, Bo Rude, and Stu Bradley, we were kind of like the three amigos. Like we were, that's who we hung out all the time. Uh, Bo grew up playing golf. Stu grew up playing golf. So they kind of got me on the golf course. That was terrible. They would kill me because they grew up playing. Um, I got addicted to it. So I, I, I partially blame Bo now for my addiction to the to the to the game of golf. But uh, no, Doke and I. Doke's I played, and Doke loves golf. Um, he had a putting deal in his in his office down at the old South Stadium um, in his room and putt. And I played. I don't know how many rounds of golf with Doke. Um, I played some really good. Usually, I play pretty good with Doke. I don't know why. He has like a really calming demeanor for some reason. It's the way he talks. Yeah. I always play play good with him. And um, I think the last, you know, I think we talked about it in the pod. You know, I think one of the last runs I played with him, I shot like a sixty-seven or something. That he had his course that he belongs to, uh, or out at, at uh, Wild Horse in Gothenburg, where he's from. So, um, yeah, there's we can get into. I mean, 
depending who you know who comes on they are actually playing but i mean it could be like, it could be a lot of golf talk in some of these pods how excited are you for top golf to open in omaha you know you ever been there before i have i've been to the one in arizona and uh in oh, phoenix got still whatever um you know it's it's not my jam really you do not have to be good at golf to be good at top golf. Correct. Because I cannot hit a drive straight to save my life. No. But like me and my brother just get in there, and we just try to whack it as yeah. hard as we can I, it's, towards the fence. It's like, see, like I, if I'm gonna go play golf, like I want to go to a course and play. So it'll be really good in Omaha in January, February, when it's I don't know how, you know, I can't imagine you know it's gonna be five degrees outside they're you know it's gonna be open i'll be interested to see what happens um i'd rather just go actually play golf but it's kind of like bowling for me it's like yeah i'll maybe go do it two three times a year but it's fun because you get to sit around you get to drink beer eat food it's quick it's you know it doesn't take up four hours you can do it it's fun um no i'll 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 hit it up but yeah i'd much rather just go play golf yeah there was one down the street from my parents house in oklahoma city that we went to all the time because it's open until like 2 Mm a.m or something like that Mm -hmm. and they have heaters right in the the like the little bays that you're in and so we'd go with a bunch of buddies and that's actually what i'm doing like the morning of my wedding because we're not getting to the venue until like i think we get there at 1 p.m so in the morning we're gonna go there and drink some beer nice that's a good that's a good call there was one we got married here in lincoln but there was one here. That's what I've done because we got married in March. Which is speaking of that, now it's a good reminder. My anniversary is coming up. There you go, March eighth, and then today's what the fifth. Uh, Everything yeah. recording. Yeah, so I got. <laughs> that's what happens. You're welcome. Married. Yeah, thank you for reminding me. That's what happens when you've been married for twelve years, going on twelve years. Just don't let your wife listen to this. Yeah, right? right now she she probably won't hear it. You just tell her. Oh no, I remember. I had this planned like a month in advance. Uh-huh. We're good to go. That's whew. Jeez, I put a reminder in my phone. <laughs> So, um, spring ball is coming up. I, 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 it would be a failure on my part if I did not ask you about Nebraska football with spring ball um, on the horizon. It starts up next Monday. Um, I, I think it's interesting because fans keep getting asked, and I actually asked the guys that I had on the podcast a week ago, like, what do you want to read right now? What do you want to hear about from the team? And the answer that I get so much is I don't want to hear about culture don't want to hear about how good the team is going to be or how good the offense can be. Like when we when we open spring ball, what do you want to know? The truth, like call it how it is. Like I think that's kind of the frustrating. I don't have to say frustrating, but do you think we haven't gotten that yet, or like what do you? No, mean? I mean, there's always some sort of narrative. I think that they're trying to portray sometimes, okay. and I think you know what. Call yourselves a not a very good football team. We got to get better. Like they're four and eight and five and seven. They're not a very good football team right now. Um, they have to get better. And I think that's some people don't want to hear it, but I think that's healthy. I think being up front and be like, you know what, we have struggled and we we have spent off season recognizing where we have to get better. And that's and then starting from day one, we've you know highlighted these four things we have to do, and this is what our focus is on for spring ball, is we're going to get better at these four things so we can be, you know, let's be honest, they should have been 7-5 and five last year. There's no reason why they should not have been 7-5 and five at worst last year, but they're not. They didn't. They didn't execute well enough, um, and then they're, they're a 5-7 and seven football team. So, yeah, just, yeah, I don't want to, you know, they you'll, we're going to get, yeah, the, the, the right amount of work was put in the offseason, yes, the winter, you're going to get, but it's like, 
you know, things have to get done for us to get better. I just want to be able just to call it like it is, and yeah. you know, that's that's all I want to hear. It's the statement that we had the best Wednesday practice we've ever had. That's right. what I don't want to hear. Right? Yeah, it's like, come on, you know, I, I get it. Like you want to, you have a job to portray um, positive attitude. I, I I get that, but sometimes it's like, okay, you know, but I think it's I just, again, it's just. I think it's just healthy for everyone just to call it and just be like you know what you know we've hit, we hit the refresh button the re, i don't say restart because you're not re, it's not like you're installing anything new offensively defensively but we've identified these areas and we are hitting them at a hundred miles an hour so we don't you know we can punch the ball in from two yards against purdue we can hang on to a 17 point lead second half lead going you know we can execute better in the in the red zone you know um things like that it's just i just want to you know i think it's good to be transparent sometimes and because you, you, you do kind of you want to sh- shelter not shelter but just kind of protect, protect the kids it a little, little bit. bit a little bit but you know what they're they're big kids they can handle it i think sometimes they got to understand like yeah we, we gotta get better because this isn't this isn't the standard around here. I mean, it's never should be the standard. So, calling it, call it like you see it is, I think, is is more than healthy. And what should be said? Yeah. Now that you got me thinking about it, I'm thinking back to uh, I don't remember what pre- it was like week seven or week eight or something like that. Matt Farniak comes to the podium and says, "Look, the snapping has to be better. Like, I'm not going to beat around the bush. We have to have on target snaps." And I, I remember at the time I was like, "Ooh." You like throwing your teammate under the bus a little bit there? This is new. We've never heard this before. It was a lot of like, oh, they're working and he's putting in the right amount of work. It's just not happening on game day. But then Farniak came in and said, no, it has to be better. And it's it's on all of us to make sure that it gets better, but it, it has to be better. And I wonder if maybe the fear for some people was that that was going to wreck Cam Jurgen's confidence or maybe put him in a little bit of a hole or maybe create some dissension amongst mm-hmm. the offensive line or, or whatever the fear might have been. But um, I, I, there was a noticeable improvement in Cam from that point on. And it had already started. I mean, after the season began the way that it did, he was getting better. But I, like I think back to that point in time where Farniok says that at a podium. And then for the next couple of weeks, like we didn't mention Cam Jurgen's name. And if we did, it was because we were like, this is one of their more consistent blockers right now. Yeah, I... It's it's just healthy. I think we're. I just we just did a po- I just recorded a podcast this this morning with with Jack Riggins, a, re- a retired Navy SEAL, and he handles team dynamics as his next business he's doing in communication. And we talked about a healthy conversation, guys being able to voice their opinion without fear of someone taking it the wrong way, you know. And I think that just shows. That again, we, the, the, I would say the culture, but things. There's something you can take away that you know what the the I'm gonna say it, the culture, camaraderie, the the maturity of maybe that O-line group is pretty damn good because he can take that criticism not as oh Matt Farnick doesn't like me. It's like oh no, I do got to get better. Mm-hmm. He's right. Like that's that's good. That's 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 good, and that's what you need because again, natural reaction like oh my gosh. Cam's going to take it the wrong way. Yeah. And that's just that's kind of what we deal with nowadays is someone's always taking offense to something, right? It's like, no, Matt cares and wants you to play better. You should care and want to play better. Go get better. That's end, end of story. Don't don't take it the wrong way. So I think that's that's good. And that's just what this program needs, though. they got to quit trying to, you know, protect, quit trying to um, 
worry so much about people's feelings in general. It's like, no, we got to get better at football, man. And you got to put all the other BS behind you and, and work day in and day out. Were you a guy that liked getting told the way it was or getting called out if you needed to be called out? Yeah. I, let's be honest. Like, yes, I did. I didn't like it let's, because I think in people's minds you think you're, you're, you're working really hard or you're doing the right things or you're doing it the right way. But sometimes you need uh, an eye-awakening experience. I've um, I told the story. Um, God, I was speaking to a, a group last spring. Um and told them, like, I got called out my second game. After the second game here, we just beat Wake Forest at home. We smoked them. It was, like, 31-3, to like, really good game defensively. I'm feeling pretty good about myself, you know, as a team-wise. But I remember Coach Cosgrove from then came in, and he, he had never done this before. He sat me down, and he goes, is something wrong? And I go, nothing why I'm like why he goes because you played like after 31 to 3 win yeah yeah I'm like huh he's like yeah you sucked like you're not you're not playing good enough like I expect more out of you like you 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 practice well the first week played well the first week you didn't have as good a week of practice um and it shows and I want to change I mean, I was totally taken back at it, and it changed my mentality from from that day on. Because I don't, I don't like putting those situations. I didn't ever want to get put in that situation again. Mm-hmm. Um, and it changed my mentality. It changed the way I practiced. Um, and the cool thing was, it changed the way I practiced. And I saw the results in the games. I started performing better in the games. And guess what? You get you get addicted. Like, okay, what can I do better now? What can I do better? The, you know, and you know, if, if I did this, what can, you just get addicted to it. And that's that would have never happened if he didn't call me out. You can't take offense. He cares. Yeah. Like he cares, and that's the. I always say you should, when they're yelling and or being hard on you because they care. When they stop, that's when you should be worried. All the worried because yeah. they given up. Yeah. Because they they're like I I can't get you anymore. So, uh, it's I, I, I you, it's it it. It's tough getting it, but I responded very, very well to it. It got the best out of me. Yeah. It always has. It always has. You think you're, you always think you're working hard, but sometimes you can. There's obviously ways to you can get more done. I'm. Uh, this is going to be a random transition, but I'm going to bring it back. Trust me. Um, I didn't watch Survivor up until like a couple months ago. My okay. brother got me hooked on it, so I'm kind of watching my way back through a bunch of the seasons. I don't know if you ever have you watched Survivor, like. Early on, okay, so like when I was in high school. Like a couple years ago, there was a season that they had Millennials versus Gen X, and it was a culture war between the two. And when the season first starts and they introduce all the people that are going to be on the show, it was like every stereotype about Millennials and every stereotype about Gen X, it's like they took the dial and they turned it up to 10, and they were like, just, just speak into our microphones every stereotype that you can possibly think of of the people on the other boat. And I was like, man, I can't do this. I don't think I'm going to be able to get through this because I really don't like the stereotyping of the two so, generations. So, because uh, where is it? Where's the cutoff between Gen X and in in millennials? Uh, I think the cutoff that they had it at was like 97 for millennials, and then it's like like when you graduate high school. Yeah, and then it's like gen- okay. or, or born, born. Oh, yeah. and then because I'm a millennial, but I'm on the tail end, and then it's like anything. 
I don't know if it's so ninety-seven. I'm born in eighty-three, so would I be? Am I Gen X? Or am How old are you? I'm thirty. I turned. I'm thirty-six, but turned thirty-seven. I think you might be a millennial. Yeah, I think I am. I think, I think, think you someone... might be, because there's like a I, there's a uh, misconstruing of what everybody just labels like the younger generation right. as millennials, but right. like that, that's not the point. But I say that there are stereotypes about my generation and about this generation now where they don't want to work as hard as say your generation. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think it's really interesting if you look around the landscape, not just in football, but in coaching in general, like coaches are getting younger because everybody wants somebody that can appeal to and resonate with the kids and the, the younger generation. Mm-hmm. And Frost is in that, that interesting age range where everybody that you talk to that has interacted with him is like, he's a player's coach and he understands us. But at the same time, you listen to him talk about things like transfers or, um, you know, sitting out or things like that and, or, or pay for play. And he is, his opinions are much more Tom Osborne than they would be like a 30 year old coach Mm -hmm. starting now. And so I think, I think he has, Maybe outwardly it's a different picture, but at least within the program and within the walls, it seems like he has a little bit more of that I'm going to tell you like it is mentality with his players. Um, do you get that same sense? Do you think that it needs to be not just in like a, an internal conversation, but also when he's taking the podium for press conferences and things like that, he needs to be more honest? Uh, I think he is pretty honest. Again, you, I do think you – there was a line you can tell. I don't think you want to get to. I think, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm going to look at who I think is the greatest coach in college football right now, and that's Nick Saban, how he handles this. I mean, he doesn't really get into – it's always a toughness, attention to detail, the process. Um, it's it's his way, and it's – or no way. Yeah. Um, you know, he can be very hard on the media and um, – I, it's tough. No, I think he does. Like he does a good job. Like I think he does call it as he sees it. Sometimes, hey, we need to be tougher. Like we're coming out and warming up in hoodies and stuff like. And that's, I know that was a whole other deal, but it's he's just calling out that they're not very tough. That was the point that he was trying to right, make. Right, it was right. like people he's took a, it and ran right, with it. Right, yeah. right. But it's like no, it's just they're not very tough. Like they, sh- you know, I mean. Not you should be training or warming up in no shirt or whatever, but you know you're coming out in that and hoodies and what you know stocking caps. Um, it's just it's it's tough because you do. I don't say there's a code, but sometimes you can you hear it um, from uh, portrayed in a different you know context. Um, and you're like oh, he's talking about me. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like yep, yeah, damn, he is talking about me. I don't want him to do that again. Like, and it's just a sense of pride that you you just like God. I don't like being talked like that about that. So I'm gonna change it. You know, it's either one way or another. It's like I'm gonna tuck my tail between my legs and take my ball and go home, or it's like you know what, that's never happening again. I'm changing it. So, no, I think he needs. He, it's good. I I I just think it's healthy. Yeah. I think it's healthy being up front, calling it like you see it. Um, I, I mean, Coach McBride, the years I've done the radio with Schmitty, you know, there's times, you know, you need a kick in the ass, there's times you need a hug. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Like, love them, love them hard, coach them hard. And I think that's a good way to go about, go about in the business. And that was a really long-winded way of me saying that I really, I, I think Frost has the culture 
about where he wants it. And he talks about culture keepers. And I think the he has that mentality of sometimes you need a hug, but also sometimes you need a kick in the mm-hmm. And I, I really do think that, you know, because people are looking at the attrition that this program has gone through over the last three-ish years or whatever it, yeah. it may be. I really think that has something to do with it, of him coming in and saying, nope, this is the way we're going to do it. Get on board or get out. Well, yeah, and it needs to be like that. Like, it has to be accountability. And it, if it's going to be one way, if it's saying this is how it's going to be, it starts with him. Like, he has to live it too. He has to do the exact same things. Because um, then if all of a sudden, if, if he's trying to preach something then he's not doing himself, it's, you know, it starts falling on deaf ears a little bit. Um no, it has to be. You know what? We're gonna we're gonna be on time. You're gonna go to class. You're gonna make sure you're getting your eight to ten hours of sleep. You're getting. You're not missing meals. You're eating correctly. Um, yeah, because you want to be the best athlete and put the best product. But you know, it's just it's about being a good person too. It's taking care of your responsibilities. Kind of. It's 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 making them a better human being for life after football too. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's be tough. And it, it, it needs it. This program, this program, this university, yeah, it's yeah. it needs it. I mean, it's just, it, toughness is needed. And to tie it back to to this particular spring session, um, I think it'll be really interesting to see how they come out and, and what's said about the team throughout the spring and then the summer and into fall camp. Because now, you know, we've got two or three years for these guys in Zach Duvall's weight room. And if you look at the, the construction of the roster and the way the class breakdown is right now, they have very few, if any, guys from the 2016 class that would be redshirt seniors in this. Mm-hmm. And that 2017 class has just been decimated by right. transfers or, or guys not really making an impact. So most of the guys on the team right now, not to say that they are Frost's guys, so he should be winning with them, but more the point is most of the guys on the team right now got here when he was saying this is the way it's going to be. And it wasn't one of those situations where they were – in one culture or one kind of locker room or one kind of meeting room, and then mm-hmm. it changed suddenly and they had to adapt to it. This is all that some of these guys have ever known. And for a lot of the guys on the team that are leaders, this is all they've known. So this should be, on paper at least, a season where things start to kind of coalesce a little bit. Yeah, more. it would make sense because those are little things that you have to worry about that take away – time to getting better at your craft on the field you know and you're, you're constantly hounding guys to you know go through warm-up right stretch right working about meeting whatever you they've been through it a couple of years now now they know it the you know the the train has been on the tracks now for a while now it's like okay let's start to focus on okay your alignment in this formation and when you see this coverage you know, you can cheat it a little here to think like you're maybe you get an inside release, but boom, you pop it back out, and now you got, and it's like defensively, okay, now you know, in this you get this look, you can tighten down your 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 alignment to the offensive tackle or to the tight end a little bit, so you can you can minimize the distance between you, so you can come down on a a play away and make the play. And it's just little details like that can now get, you know, you can get more into it because you don't have to worry about all that stuff. Yeah. Um, you, and it should. It, sh- it should help. But, I mean, it's just an interesting spring because the hype's not there like, we, like we've seen it, um, which I think is it's fine. It, it needs to. Like, it's just uh, – <laughs> they – I think now they're at a point where it's like they got to earn it. They got to earn – and they need to. Like, we've so long have been giving them the West Championship or 
10 wins, 8 wins. Like, people are like, no, schedule's brutal. Um, we've stubbed our toe way too much. We've been drinking the Kool-Aid way too much. It's time to prove it and show it. And I think it's I think it's a it's a really interesting but fun time because it's it's the, the with the schedule and year three of a of a quarterback in the in the same system and some a lot of people coming back that play a lot of good football within both sides of the football. It it should be something, but the people are like uh, they're still kind of like I'm not ready to commit yet. Yeah, you know, ask you know to be interested to see what it's going to be in July, but right now I think people are like. Or kind of, they're totally in wait and see mode. I don't know if I have the authority to do this, but I kind of want to kick you off the podcast now because you said drink the Kool Aid. That's my least favorite <laughs> phrase well, right sorry. now. I hate it. <laughs> oh well, that's that's what people do. Yeah, yeah, and you're, you're exactly do. right, like, and it's the best because, phrase for it. Well, it is because we have talk shows around here that <laughs> you know have four hours of fill on a Wednesday in the middle of June. It's like, what the hell do you talk about? You may NBA playoffs, baseball. It's like, but no, it's like hypothetical situation galore. Yeah. So, and also, you can talk yourself in. I do it every year. And then you get S&P giving them a chance yeah, to be the 10th best You always can talk yourself into yeah. like two more wins. Yeah. It's like, oh, Adrian's in his third year. Yeah, you know what? They played pretty well at Ohio State two years ago as a freshman. They're probably <laughs> going to beat him this time. There's another one. Like, no, are you crazy? Like, No. But it just it never fails. It happens every year. Those last five games are brutal. Somebody's going to be having a, a a angry voicemail from Scott Frost on their voicemail at the the Big Ten offices for the last two schedules that they've had to play. It's rough. It's brutal. I mean, seven isn't mad. I mean, I they could go seven and five, which is is really good, and be four and five in the conference. Yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, I hope that the mentality is not. Um, we're going to be bowl eligible by the time we hit that last five game stretch. And it's, we have to be bowl eligible by the time we hit mm-hmm. that last five game stretch. Because I mean, even then, you know, they play Purdue in the opener. It's not an easy game. South Dakota state's never an easy team. Cincinnati People constantly overlook them. Cincinnati could be one of the better group of five teams. I mean, obviously it's in a good situation. If fickle doesn't want to jump ship to, you know, Michigan state. Yeah. It'll be, uh, it'll be an interesting start to the season. Yeah. Jay, when's your podcast come out? It comes First out one? To, uh, it'll be Monday. The, this upcoming Monday, the what's that? The, I can't do math in my head right now. It'll be the. Um, I go back on the seventh, so it'll be the ninth. The ninth, man. Monday, Monday the ninth. First, it's that Monday of the, of the opening spring ball. Oh, press yeah. Conference is yep. going to be released, so you'll get to hear it with, with, uh, one of my good friends and one of the best people, um, ever to. Set you know, foot in the Memorial Stadium, Doak Ostergaard, the former head football trainer, never should have been fired in, in the first place, but, um, he comes on and. Tells a lot of good stories. Yeah. A lot of good stories. So be sure to be on the heads up and listen to that one. Can't wait for it. It'll be on HailVarsity.com. It'll be on uh, iTunes and I'm assuming Spotify and most places where everybody listens to podcasts. So make sure you subscribe to that. Jay, you got work to do. Thank you for yeah. uh, thank you for you giving me some yeah. time. Yep, yeah. Thanks, Derek. Joining the podcast now, I'm assuming he is en route uh, to the MIT Sloan Analytics Conference in Boston. Brandon Vogel, how are you? I'm doing well. I would be be doing better if that were actually the case. I've always wanted to go to that. I haven't quite found the occasion to to get back there yet. Not only is it a a combination of sort of sports and geekery that I I tend to traffic in, but I also lived in Boston for almost a decade. So, and I've only been back once since then. So it'd be it'd be nice to haunt the old haunts again. When did you move away from Boston? 
2009, moved uh, back to Omaha. So, uh, back, okay. well, back to Nebraska, I should say. So you had, I think the Sloan, Con- it either started in 2005 or 2006. So you would have had a couple years. I'm surprised you've never been there before. I actually would have put good money on you <laughs> have, having attended at least one of them. Yeah, I wasn't uh, I wasn't working as a sports writer then, much to my, my chagrin. So for that four-year overlap there and it it was you know that that first one was was kind of a it was it was easy to miss and it's since since grown into a a big thing but uh yeah had i known that it was going on i I certainly would have went but missed my missed my window there it's one of those things where i listen to uh an nba podcast every year around this time that either has like daryl morey or sam hankey or someone crazy on and they talk about things that are way over my head, but I find it interesting every single year. It's kind of the way I feel whenever I read your stuff. It's it's way over my head, but it's interesting. So, um, the the thing that we need to talk about, uh, we have to talk about it. We couldn't have gone this podcast without talking about it. Is JD Spielman, and that is why uh, you are joining me now to kind of work through. I guess it's been a couple days, um, so we, we've been able to to sort of sort through some feelings sort through some reaction. Uh, J.D. Spielman is ha, has taken a, what is being described as a temporary leave of absence from Nebraska. He's back home in Minnesota. He's not going to be participating in spring football. It'll be the second or third year in a row that he – I don't think he's participated in a spring um, period at all since he's been here. Um, the release that Nebraska sent out earlier this week said that, that they don't expect his leave of absence – absence excuse me to impact his academic eligibility and they expect him back for fall uh to to get ready for the season brandon when when the news was officially announced i guess what was your initial reaction to it and has that has that thinking changed at all as you've had time to sort of sit on it and digest what's going on here hmm um well, my my initial reaction was was probably surprised that I guess the the door is still open for for a return here. That's that's very rare in in cases like this, and there are a ton of cases like this. Usually, it's a a player has left the program or a player has not. Um, and so to get this this sort of middle ground, you know, made things made things pretty complicated. I I think and and look, you know. I think everyone kind of who has had the chance to even just kind of cover Nebraska with a J with JD on it to, to fans who have a really vested interest in it. Of course, uh, everyone in that group would like to see JD back. He's a great football player. It's, it's, it's kind of a joy to watch him do what he gets to do. Um, that said, I think anytime you kind of open this door, it's <laughs> the likelihood of somebody walking back in it, it becomes pretty, pretty slim. So I, I think that's why you've seen, and it's not just, it's not alarmist. It's just, it feels pretty realistic in my mind of like, Hey, the, the press release said this and, and yeah, that's kind of what everybody hopes will be the case, but these things become tough, you know, when you get away from the team and the usual uh, schedule and I guess day-to-day part of it, it becomes a lot easier to stay away. So I think that's why you see a lot of people kind of proceeding as if he won't be catching passes for Nebraska in 2020. We don't want to get into his academics. I think that's too personal, but there's obviously stuff going on behind the scenes with him that, that kind of um, 
I guess, set this whole process in motion for him. But, you know, like you said, if he if he was staying in Nebraska and was just away from the team, um, but still around the team, I guess, or, or around the university, I, I think that would be one thing. But I think it's the fact that, like you said, he's not even in the same state. He's he's at home. Um, it, it You know, things can always change, but at least the way I see it, it, it would be hard to see him coming back into the picture. Uh, if that is the case, if he is completely out of the picture, Nebraska has lost uh, probably one of its most productive players on the entire team, just in, in terms of what he's done over his three years. He's the first receiver in program history to have three 800-yard receiving seasons. Uh, he was on pace to break Stanley Morgan's record and break a ton of Nebraska receiving records. And, and now Nebraska's leading receiver is Wandale Robinson, who couldn't handle uh, a full season Big Ten load the way they were playing him a year ago. And their second leading receiver is walk-on Cade Warner. Um, you wrote a ton about S&P and, and sort of the the predictive models and projections being a little bit more kind to Nebraska this offseason than they were a year ago. And a lot of that stuff is predicated on returning production and Nebraska just lost a ton of it. Does this change the way you view, let's go macro first, the offense in general? Yeah, I think it has to. Um, I think to to ignore that is is wishful thinking, thinking to, to a degree. Um, so SP Plus with JD in the fold had Nebraska at 92% returning production on offense, which was second nationally. And, and what that gets you, and this was a, a large part of the reason that Nebraska showed up in some of those early top 25s, is because an offense in that position doesn't just tend to improve. It tends to improve by a lot. Um, I think half of the teams with 90% plus returning improved by over a touchdown in, in SP plus rating, which is, which is huge. You know, if Nebraska could go from 28 points a game this year to 35 points a game in, in 2020, um, that would be significant. That would change how you think about the season ahead. It doesn't mean that Nebraska can't do that anyway. It just becomes much more, much less likely when, when you remove J.D. Spielman, who was 35% of those returning or of their receiving yards last year and over 40% of, of what they were set to return for 2020. So, I mean, that's, that's the impact. And, you know, I don't know the secret recipe that, that goes into SP plus totally, but just kind of looking at a proportional decrease, you know, I estimated it. And this is my number based on Bill Connolly's SP plus ratings, uh, not his own, but I think it could be worth up to a, a, a half win for Nebraska when you start estimating their win total. And if that doesn't sound like a lot, uh, it's not for a program like Alabama, you know, then you're talking about 11 and a half or 11 as kind of their over under, but for Nebraska, it might be talking about seven and a half versus seven. And if that's just the win total, you know, you're looking at one to two games on either side of that is kind of the realistic range. And as we know, you know, five wins would be received much differently than say eight wins would. And that's kind of the estimated, I think, real impact of, of JD's potential departure when you get into it from a numbers perspective. 35 points a game would have been a top 20 offense last year in college football. So that's uh, like you said, like, like, like 
I don't think people needed a, a number put on it to to know that you were telling the truth. But that it's a big deal, uh, especially with a team that has had and probably will continue to have a, a pretty slim margin for error. On a micro level, Brandon, the thing that everybody thought about this offense when when Scott Frost and company first got here was that, and he and he said this a couple times was that schematically they're able to get receivers open. And so everybody thought that this was going to be a, a system that was a lot more plug-and-play than it has been. They've really struggled to find um, playmakers at, at wide receiver. And the phrase that, that Frost likes to use is bullets on offense. And, and they just lost um, a, a pretty huge one. And so now, you know, just the wide receiver room in general heading into the season, you're down a scholarship receiver. You're down a, a, a proven receiver that you can rely on. But for spring ball in particular, which we're about to begin, Nebraska has four scholarship wide receivers now. One of them is Wando Robinson. The other two, well, the other three are freshmen. Two of them, redshirt freshmen, who did not play a year ago. Jamie Nance and Demarion Houston. Jamie Nance played one game. I don't think Demarion Houston got into a game. And then the fourth is a, a true freshman early enrollee who by all accounts has been doing pretty well, but he's still a true freshman in Alante Brown. Are you concerned at all about the wide receiver room one and number two, do you expect them to be active in the transfer market? Yeah, I, I am concerned. I mean, they weren't where they wanted to be uh, when this coaching staff showed up in terms of wide receiver numbers. And despite their best efforts through the first two recruiting classes, they still haven't gotten there because of so much attrition with that position in particular. Um, you know, so this, so you end up with 2020 class, which has five wide receivers in it, uh, only one of whom is, is available this spring. Um, and, you know, as we know with any recruiting class for guys, you're, you're always kind of waiting until they officially get there to officially be there uh, for lack of a better term. So, you know, there's just, there's a lot up in the air there. Um, I think if there, if there are some silver linings here to the prospect of not having Spielman, there are maybe two. There's one for a new wide receivers coach who, you know, according to your own reporting, uh, might have a slightly different approach to coaching wide receivers than, than your typical wide receivers coach. It's an almost entirely blank slate. Um, so that's something, at least. The other one might be, you know, JD, because he was so good, I, I felt like some throws got forced to him at times last year. Um, with this, you, you don't have it. And it makes the spring really pivotal, pivotal, pivotal excuse me, um, in terms of developing that trust among a group of guys that's, that's pretty young. And then, oh, by the way, you're going to double that group. But that's out there, too, as a possible potential outcome. I think you could see the ball spread around a little bit more. Um, and, and it might be a case of letting the offense work a little bit more for the quarterback than, than has been the case at times during the past. That said, if you're Matt Lubick and you asked him right now, would you rather have J.D. Spielman available or not, uh, he would say yes. So, you know, neither of those, even in combination, outweigh the, the potential departure of, of J.D., but there are some things that, you know, A, if they break Nebraska's way, but – the depth, like, that's that's a big, big piece of it and, and a pretty big hit. It is interesting, though, and, and I don't want this to sound like, you know, ragging on J.D. Spielman or whatever because I know he was well-liked and, and he was liked by his teammates and he was 
by most accounts, a good presence in the locker room. But I, I just wondered, especially as the season went on last year, I wondered what the, the leadership quality was there because he was one of the elder statesmen of the offense, and he was um, probably, you know, n- not fair to him. But, I mean, he was going to be compared to Stanley Morgan in the sense of, of what Stanley did off the field and what Stanley did for the wide receiver room just because he was that next guy and he was so close with Stanley. And and I just wonder if, not addition by subtraction, but I wonder what the value is of, like you said, Matt Lubick coming in and there just being a clean slate for the wide receiver room of guys being able to um, get reps. Like I think Chris Hickman is going to get some looks. Uh, I think you know a guy like Demarion Houston now gets more more of an opportunity. Well, I mean, this is not, you know, a hot takey. He's going to get more of an opportunity with J.D. Spielman out of the picture than he would have with J.D. in the picture. Uh, the, the guys are just going to have a little bit more freedom to go out and, and make plays. And I just wonder if uh, there's value to Lubick being able to come in and not have a guy that is was going to be a senior and was going to be kind of set in his ways, so to speak, right or wrong. Um, but he can really get that group behaving the way that he wants them to behave and he can get that group doing the things he wants them to do and 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 that I mean that's the benefit of having young guys is is you can teach them how to do things instead of having to reteach older guys you know the your way of doing things I just wonder like do you get what I'm saying I, I wonder if there's value to that for Matt Lubick when he when he really kind of gets into this and starts to to work with the wide receivers? Oh, I, I, I think there could be. Um, and, and I think, you know, we see this all the time with football in terms of coaches and teams trying to kind of construct an us against them source of motivation um, or, you know, some sort of hurdle that they collectively have to overcome the, you know, it's the nobody believed in us principle, but <laughs> With four scholarship wide receivers, yeah, you can get that entire group together, walk-ons included this spring, and say, like, all right, guys, like, this is us. This is what we got. Um, and if you, if you believe the – you listen to the numbers or you listen to the talk out there, like, we, they don't – we don't know – nobody knows anything about us. So let's go out and kind of prove everybody wrong. I think that can be – I think that can be powerful. Um, the, the, the leadership part of it – you're looking for somebody to kind of man that role. Um, and we don't know what goes on in, in the room. Most of the time we know that JD's pretty self-contained. Um, his, all of the players seem to really like him. They say he opens up a lot more kind of behind those closed doors, but he was never someone who was out there talking about, about that kind of role. So, you know, even though he was going to be a senior, it was tough to say, well, he's the, he's the leader of that group. So I think, I think there's something to that. It just kind of underscores that, hey, there's, there's a lot of opportunity here, and we need you guys to, to be good and to kind of advance, you know, accelerate your timeline here because there's, there's, there's no, no time to wait now. So I think all of those things can be real for Nebraska. You know, to kind of take it back to a numbers perspective, you just can't really model that stuff and predict it. So you look at it from a, hey, you just lost a guy who's never had fewer than 800 yards receiving in a season, which which really might be the most impressive thing about Spielman. 
not just that he was good, but you see guys who are good early in their college careers, and then maybe they become the guy and defenses start to focus on them and they're, they'll take a dip a little bit in terms of their numbers. JD never had that. You know, he had Stanley those first two years. This year, he had to be the focal point for a very young receiver group then. And he had his best yards in terms or best year in terms of yards yet. So that's a pretty strong testament to to what he was able to do. Yeah. And, and, he, and he had his best game, I think, of his career against Illinois when he had 160 yards and he kept going over the middle and kept getting blown up and uh, kept getting back up and yeah. going back over the middle. So they'll miss that. I, one, one interesting kind of subplot I think that this creates is in the fall or in the summer when Omar Manning gets here, I don't think there was much pressure on Omar Manning. Uh, Everybody expected him to be good, but I don't think there was going to be pressure on him because they had JD and because they had Wandale. It was one of those situations where, you know, most people, myself included, just thought he can slot in and and kind of do whatever. And it's not, they, they would need something from him, but they wouldn't need, a lot from him, I guess, to to continue to improve. But now, if JD's out of the picture, I do wonder if if the pressure that goes on Omar Manning's shoulders becomes an issue. It, it certainly could be, and I think that gets shared a little bit with everybody left remaining in that room. So JD had 900 yards, almost 900 yards last year. You say, okay. Well, you're only going to get 700 of that back because JD was just good enough to get the remaining 200 on his own. That 700 is going to go to other guys. But now, instead of, like you said, the expectation that was that Omar Manning probably has a great chance to start right away. Now he almost not just has to just start, but he has to be effective. Um, Xavier Betts, same sort of same sort of deal. I, you look at a guy like Cade Warner. As, as a walk-on and, and the guy who's played receiver the most at Nebraska so far, it kind of shifts a little of that weight onto him too. So, I mean, that's really the big thing is you just you lose a lot of ability to be patient with some guys. And with a young group, um, if they show they're up to it, no problem. If, but if they are, like most young groups, groups are, a little bit of a mixed bag, well, it's, it becomes something you got to work around a little bit. Brandon, wide receivers included in this, if you want them to be included in it, uh, wide receiver aside, if, if that's the route that you want to go, what are you looking forward to the most with spring ball? What are you, what are you uh, most anticipating? Yeah, it's, it's weird because with this, it almost, for me, it almost shifts entirely to defense. Um, minus, you know, quarterback will be kind of interesting to just see what the, the day in and day out horse race nature of that is, if there is any sort of hint of that, um, which I think there probably will be because no one's going to want to give anything away. It'll be all guys are doing good, et cetera, et cetera. But you look at running back, very similar to last year. You got Dedrick Mills there, but he's a relatively known quantity, I guess. So a lot of the spotlight flies, falls to Ramir Johnson. Let's see what he can do. And then you're waiting for guys to show up again in the summer, much like last year. So I don't know how much we'll learn about that. Wide receiver will all be obviously draw a ton of focus. But again, you're kind of waiting on re- reinforcements now. So for me, I look at the secondary, which you know has a bunch of guys where if you had to pencil in starters right now, you could do it pretty easily. 
but there's some guys and, and some of them are coming off injury um, may not be ready to go from the start, but that's a really talented room that I'm, I'm looking forward to watching. And then defensive line is, is the other one where you've got some familiar names, but you're going to need some, some big contributions from new or only slightly familiar names. So that's going to be pretty interesting to watch as, as we get into things next week. It'll be a, uh, a spring ball not lacking in storylines, I think. So I appreciate you and the rest of our Hale Varsity crew letting me go sit on a beach while you guys try to tackle that. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's, that's, that's a one-time only offer, Derek. So, so I hope you're, you're sure about what's, uh, what's going to happen for you in the next week or so. And uh, we, are, we are all very happy for you and Alex. So. I, I'm actually planning on this being a yearly thing. So I'll just break that news to you now. Like the first week of spring ball, I'm just going to go to Hawaii. Like, okay. I think that that's going to be the path that we take. With with your soon-to-be wife or? Yes. Is that well, because, TV? Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't get me in trouble now. Because this will be uh, the first time that I've ever been to a beach. And so it is 100% going to ruin beaches. So I think the only beach that we will be able to go to from this point forward is Hawaii. And that will be uh, the excuse that I tell myself uh, when, you know, the payment comes due. <laughs> well, there you go. Now, so. you, you're right. You're starting near the top of, of the beach experiences. I believe I've never been to Hawaii, but um, it'll be it'll be tough to match up from there. Alex is very excited about it because whenever she asks me like where I would want to go vacation, I always tell her, let's go to Chicago. And she never wants to just go <laughs> sit in the cold or sit in this, in a, you know, city that has stressful beyond belief traffic with people honking at you everywhere. And she would rather go sit on a beach. And every time I'm like, let's go to Chicago. Now she said, now that we've, we will have been to a beach. I hope that you will diversify your, uh, goals when it comes to, to vacationing. So we'll see how that goes. Brandon, you've probably got work to do. Thank you for giving some time. Get yourself out to the Sloan Conference and uh, we will talk to you soon. Okay. Talk to you later. That's it for this week. We'll be back next week with another podcast. Keep reading HailVarsity.com in the meantime. Thanks, guys.